Welcome to the Megalithic Marvels podcast. Derek Olson here to reconstruct the prehistoric past with you. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube to see high-definition photos and videos regarding ancient megalithic sites and civilizations. Okay, let's get to our latest interview. I'm excited to be joined by author and researcher Hugh Newman uh, today. Hugh has written several books such as Stone Circles, uh, Megalithic Studies in Stones, and Giants on Record, among others. Uh, he's CEO of Megalithomania, where he hosts uh, various conferences and tours and produces really countless videos regarding ancient megalithic sites on the Megalithomania YouTube channel. So make sure and subscribe there. Hugh, thanks so much uh, for joining me today. Yes, thanks for having me on, Dee. I appreciate it. Aside from your research regarding megalithic prehistory and ancient civilizations, you've done extensive research on the subject of ancient giants, uh, headlined by your book, uh, Giants on Record, which is a very intriguing book to those watching, listening via podcast. You've got to get uh, that book, Giants on Record, because what Hugh has done, and you've partnered with Jim Vieira, is you've done all the research for us and you've tracked down all these giant accounts from newspaper clippings of the 1800s early 1900s and more and compiled them in one book so so handy to have Uh, so I guess my question about giants first of all for you Hugh is what were the events that led you down really this rabbit hole of researching this subject of ancient giants yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Um, I don't, I can't recall. I think it was because I kept investigating ancient sites, kept finding these giant legends. And, and then you kind of hear these stories of giant bones being found. Oh, hang on a second. It all kind of, there's too many to ignore. Then I went to America and I started researching the mound culture and the, meg- the kind of Midwest and stuff. And then the megalithic stuff up in New England. And and I came across Ross Hamilton's book, who later became a mentor of ours and wrote the foreword to the book. Um, and it blew my mind. I, there was immediately, I realized there's a reality to this. And I think a couple of years later, I met Jim Vieira at a conference I organized in New England about the megalithic sites there, uh, the Megalithomania America conference we did. Um, and and then we kind of clicked and went, he, he was compiling all this data, doing his daily giant blog post. I'd been doing my research and we just thought we've got to write, we should just put our heads together and write a book. And, and we're, still, we're still working on various projects as we speak. This was back in 2013, 2012, when we kind of met up. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then the data, I mean, there's so much amazing data to work with, but no one, I mean, there was a couple of books out. Richard Dewhurst did a kind of book on this subject, a couple of other people. Uh, Ross Hamilton was the the most interesting book we come across on this, but we felt it needed to be put together with all the research Jim had done and, and I'd done. And yeah, that was it really. And suddenly we had, we had Mikey Ewers helping us, Ross helping us. And suddenly we had 1200 counts and we're like, whoa. So we picked 250 of them and put them in the book um, and sort of analysed every single one of them and, and the cover-up that took place by the Smithsonian and other such things. But, the, you know, everywhere you go, I mean, we've actually, 
you know, we've actually written another book. We're actually just finishing it now. We're just doing the final edits of the Giants of Stonehenge in ancient Britain. That's what we just finished it. We've got the cover done. So in a few months' time, that's going to be out. And that's a, that is a bigger book than the American book. Now, we were going to do a worldwide book, and that would have been ridiculously thick, a thousand pages probably. And, and But the first chapter we worked on was Britain. And then that just grew and grew, and we realized we have to do a book on this. So we've done a book entirely on Stonehenge and ancient Britain of the Giants, and that's going to be out soon. And the date and the, the stuff that we've, that's coming out of there is absolutely mind-blowing, and it's not been published. It's an obscure books and references we've got that no one's ever seen. Uh, we've had to translate old Latin texts of old religious documents and other such things, and and uh, we've got a bit of a story there. And I think, in a way, it's more compelling than the American giants because the American giants, people have kind of known about for a little while. It's, it's, I mean, people know there's a cover-up, but in Britain, no one knows anything. I mean, they don't realise that just around in the Stonehenge landscape, we've got giants up to 14 and a half feet have been unearthed, you know, things like this, and nine foot four and stuff like that. No one knows about it. Uh, and it fits in, and suddenly all the legends make sense. All the giants building these sites it all links up and we've got we've got good evidence of transoceanic travel between britain and america and, and when we're talking about going back fifty thousand years we're not talking just recent times and, and the genetics associated with that may have influenced the, the american giants and the british as well and so it's quite a story and i think you know people need to like look at this with an open mind because it's been deliberately covered up everywhere. I don't know why this is really fundamentally. I don't know why you would do that. Um, it's political, religious, um, you know, other reasons. Um, but it makes you want to research it even more. That's what we've done. Yeah, right. Try to hide it and it just in piques our interest more. The giant subject <laughs> to me is fascinating because we've got, you know, all these ancient manuscripts like the Bible, chock full of giant lore, uh, probably the most famous Bible scripture about giants is Genesis 6, 4. It talks about there were giants on the earth, which is the Hebrew word Nephilim. Um, and then the Bible doesn't just talk about giants, but it it talks about specific giants, right? Like Goliath, uh, who measured between 9 and 11 feet tall, and his brothers, and they had all these genetic markers. They were either super tall or had uh, six fingers or six toes. So we've got the Bible talking about giants. We've got other ancient manuscripts, uh, Sumerian texts, the book of Enoch, uh, the book of giants that was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, we've even got, you know, historians like Josephus, um, who is a very credible historian. I mean, he talks about the giants in many places and really gives some vivid accounts of what he saw uh, in his day in the museums, I believe. But then it gets crazier, as you show us in your book, with much, much more recent accounts from newspaper clippings of the 1800s, early 1900s, accounts from explorers. Uh, so one question for you I have is of all of the research you've done, all the articles, the written accounts, is there a, uh, a giant account that you find most intriguing that just fascinates you the most? Um there's oh my god considering we've uncovered you know in total probably 2000 um that's quite a it's quite a giant question really um there's several that have kind of 
intrigued me. There's certain ones in Britain that have really got me. Uh, the ones in the Stonehenge landscape are really intriguing because they're really tall. They're like between nine and 14 feet. Uh, and there's some skulls and teeth that have been found around Wiltshire and Somerset. There's also in Glastonbury, where I've lived, I lived for many years, we run our conference there in England. There's um, uh, a nine and a half foot skeleton was found a thousand years ago in the Abbey. Um, and it was a big deal back then. It was a big story. Everyone was talking about it. We've got all these old texts talking about it. And yet no one's interested. No one's no one cares. It's just not, just doesn't exist. Uh, but, and, and, and the list goes on. I mean, in America, I think one of the things that got us was you were finding not just individual skeletons, you were finding graves with hundreds of skeletons, you know, and this was like a battle or a war that took place. And when we retraced the steps with Ross, we were working with here, um, of all the traditions of when the wars took place between different tribes and Native American cultures, they matched where the discoveries were later found and where all these burial places were found. So the, the more you look into the myth, the legend, the traditions, the folklore, all this kind of stuff, you've got to look at that with a really clear mind and imagine that might be true or based on truth or have elements of truth. And then if you find, if you, if you look carefully, it fits in with what is actually discovered and what people are still saying today. I mean, for instance, in Britain, in Wales specifically, uh, the traditions of giants still exist there. They still talk about them. They're part of the landscape and they're part of the mythos of the consciousness of the people. And this is ingrained into the consciousness going back thousands of years. And there's proof of this now. These stories have been around not for hundreds of years, we're talking thousands of years. And the fact that the whole of Britain has these stories, we have the found founding of Britain is to do with giants. The protectors of Britain are giants and so forth. You realize there's something about this. And when you find all these skeletons, bones, teeth and skulls in the archeological record, you realize there's something going on and you have to address it. I mean, this is, this is all it is to us. It's like not being addressed properly. So we want to do it ourselves because we've, we've got this sort of um, obsessive compulsive um, need to publicize this and let people know, actually look at this. This is really interesting. No, you know, the only people who are writing about this were over a hundred years ago or in obscure books, half of it's not online. So you can't find it anywhere. You have to go into old libraries and, you know, get things translated. So, yeah, there's, there's a, it's, it's a really cool story. There's uh, around the world are some giant footprints in places that people have discovered. You went down, I think, and saw the most famous, famous of these in South Africa. Tell us about what you saw there at those footprints, and then tell us about the giant finger that was found in Egypt that you have talked about before. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Sure. The uh, the one in South Africa, I forget exactly where it is. We went there with Michael Tellinger and there's there a bunch of us there. There's like Andrew Collins was with us and a few others. We're all on this part of this conference. Um, and I forced the organizers to take us there. I was like, you've got to take us here. You know, we made him get a van and we all went there. And it's like four and a half feet long. It's a giant footprint. It's ridiculously big. It's It's vertical. It's not flat on the ground. It's vertical. And it's got like a bit where the toes go and you, you lift it out like this overhang of like mud or whatever it was. Um, and it's been somehow kind of preserved and it's actually called Goliath's footprint. That's the name it's actually officially called. And, and there's, there are legends of giants. There's actually some bones that have been found in South Africa. Um, these are part of the Homo hypodigensis um sort of people these, these go about two hundred thousand years or so and they were known to be between seven and ten feet tall because they've actually got fossilized bones in the museum there. and so there's something about that footprint it, it could be carved it could be in honor of the old giants someone could have carved it it could be a real footprint we just don't know there's and then you mentioned egypt i've written a whole lot two-part article for ancient origins website on egypt and a guy um, uh, back in, I think, the 80s um, found, met this family. They were talking about all these artifacts. They, The family were, were kind of looters, grave robbers over the last hundred years or so. And one of the things was when they unwrapped this bit of cloth was this fossilized, sorry, this mummified finger. And it was like this long. It was like folded. It was like this. And it was this long. It was huge. And they estimated if it was someone... You know, if they, if you kind of work out the dimensions, it was someone over fifteen feet tall, and so and that that was said to have been found within a hundred miles of the Giza Plateau. So it's really vague. But some people, some other researchers, when they spoke to the guy, said no, they actually found on the Giza Plateau. Um, and you look into Egypt, and all the stories of the founding of who built the pyramids go back to a time before the flood, and the giants of Ad or it's different versions of this were the builders They came from like the Bible lands and they built the pyramids with giants. And so the fact you've got these foundation legends, even in Egypt, and there's a whole bunch of other accounts found in Egypt that kind of back this up. Yeah. The pictures I see of that finger are, I mean, it's, it's fascinating. It looks like you can even see bones sticking out of the end and it just looks massive. And then speaking of giants in Egypt, uh, you also talk and write about, I think his name is King um, Kaskimway. He was a king yes. of Egypt and he might've been a giant. Tell us a little bit about that real quick. Yeah, King Kaskimway, he was, he was based down in uh, Abydos. This was like very early, you know, in the first dynasty, I think, or the very end of the first dynasty. Um, he was influential with Saqqara as well. Um, um, he was kind of, Based down this way, and there's actually a site there uh, we, we want to we, we want to go and look at called Hierocompolis. Uh, we were planning on going there this November, but we couldn't do it because okay, we're going to go next year. And there's a but it's more of a mud brick kind of site, but a grave was found there. And there's Strabo wrote about him, and he was said to be over nine feet tall, nine foot three, nine foot four, something like this. Or no, sorry, eight foot four, eight foot five, I think. I don't think it was eight foot. Uh, and he was just wrote, written about, you yeah, know, this this guy was this tall, he was this big. Um, and that's that. And it was just written about, it was other commentators wrote about it, 
going back a few hundred to a thousand, a couple of thousand years. Um, and there's depictions of him. The first proper, you know, carved statue of King was of him that found in Egypt. He was linked with Saqqara. He was apparently moved up to Saqqara. His son may have been the founder of the second dynasty, which really kicked off at Saqqara. Um, and so the fact is, he may have been, I mean, the, the weird thing is, there's actually a statue of him and a connection with him in Lebanon. You know, we're talking like Baalbek, Byblos kind of thing. A statue of him was found at Byblos, which is a site that goes back to 7,000 years. Um, and so there was a connection between these two great cultures, and it might explain some of the megalithic, beautiful constructions we find, massive constructions we find in Lebanon. And so, yeah, he was an interesting character, and he's, he's often completely ignored, but he was influential. He was a giant. He was connected with Lebanon. And he may have even been involved in the construction of the main pyramids in Egypt because he seemed to have the building know-how, as all these giants did when you look back at these earlier traditions, even in the Bible lands. In your book, I believe you show a picture of a supposed petrified, like 12-foot Irish giant. And I think rumor is he had six toes on a foot. And I think the photograph was from like 1895. Absolutely yeah. fascinating. Uh, tell us a little bit about this giant, and do you believe this photo, the giant, was real in the photo? I, I, uh, we, we've done a lot of research on that, um, and I don't know um, if Jim is going to kill me for telling you um, what we've discovered or not, because <laughs> it's going to be in the book. We've put it all in the new book. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it was a big story. It was reported in the Strand magazine, and I think, yeah, you mentioned the 1800s. It was photographed next to this carriage. It was 12 foot two. Um, it had extra toes and fingers and other such things. It was leaning over to one side like that. It was found in a bog, petrified bog, in a specific part of Ireland. But we found evidence it may be a hoax. Now, I can't say too much because uh, we're going to properly investigate that and publish that in the book. I can't give too much away. But there are other it has connections with other hoaxes potentially very big ones that got reported back around this era in different parts of the world but Ireland itself there are genuine giant skeletons that have been found that's why this was created because there were stories there's stories of the the uh, um, different ancient cultures the Fomorians the Tuatha Dé Danann the Firbolg and other other early uh, cultures from this area and they were linked with giants or they were actually giants coming from this sunken realm possibly atlantis or high brazil out into the atlantic ocean um, but there were, we've got many accounts of actual bones skeletons artifacts armor even discovered in Ireland. so there's a reality to giants in ireland it's just this particular one we're gonna expose the reality of that in a forthcoming book exciting well we'll look forward to that um it's crazy we've got you know all these ancient manuscripts that talk about giants we've got explorers accounts even in my research uh i did a series on easter island i i came across old ship logs of explorers who claim they saw like a giant running around one of the islands by easter island so there's even crazy stuff like that you come across when you're digging um but like, let's talk about real quick, the megalithic connection between all these megalithic structures and possible giants. Um, you've done a lot of research about Sardinia. And I mean, that whole island, it's like, not only are these 
giant Naragi towers there, but they, they, they have the tombs of the giants, um, which are literally called that when you go to visit them. And I mean, there's so many, um, even there's still people alive that claim they back in the forties and fifties discovered giant skeletons. Um, tell us a little bit about your thoughts on a connection between giants of antiquity and megalithic structures, whether it's Sardinia, whether it's the mortarless um, stuff we see in Peru, the Cyclopean stuff we see in, in Europe. Yeah, I mean, you've got in Europe, you've got traditions of the Cyclops. Um, now, these aren't just one eyed kind of giants who would bat you with their clubs. They, these are like serious artisans who lived under the earth, who were master stone masons, metallurgists, and retained the high knowledge of the earlier gods. And so these were master masons, basically. And whether they were giant in stature or giant intellect and skill, it's probably all of these things put together. Um, but they were renowned, thought to be the builders of the Cyclopean structures in Greece and other parts of Europe. We have um, similar structures in Italy as well. Um, in Turkey, in southern Turkey, you get this. And these may have all been attributed to these people. My good friend Gary Billcliffe done some research on this, and he thinks an offshoot of them may have been called the Pelasgians, and they may have been influential, influential megalithic builders who may have been giants themselves. And so you have these connections with these ancient sites always. I mean, you look at the early traditions of Greece, you find all these connections with the Cyclopes, the Cyclops you get with Perseus and the foundations of Mycenae and other places. Um, and you get it everywhere. I mean, even the first name of Stonehenge that's been ever recorded was the Giant's Dance. Um, and that was thought to be built by giants. Um, we've got a whole, we've, we've found this new data that goes back to the 1600s that links this other tribe of giants with the construction of Stonehenge, which, which is coming out in the book. I'm not going to mention any too much about it now. Um, so there's more connections between sites like Stonehenge. North America, all the male culture sites. You've got Peru, you've got legends of even when the Spanish turned up and spoke to the Inca, places like Sacsayhuaman and Machu Picchu and so forth, they were told, oh no, we didn't build them. These were built by an early race of giants going back thousands of years. We just rebuilt them and reused the sites. And so you get that there as well. You get it, like you said, you get it on Easter Island, you get it almost everywhere so what's going on here you know is this just uh, is everyone around the world making up the same stories or is there a genuine reality to this and i think there's too much evidence um and it explains also why these sites could be built because they you've got gigantic human beings involved in the construction not only were they extra strong and they could lift big stones they were actually master masons metallurgists explorers with a very high intellect and so i think there's a lot more to this than people realize and it's just being deliberately wiped you know pushed away from um, our consciousness because it doesn't fit in with the theory of evolution amongst other sort of um, other things well this has been a fascinating interview uh hugh thanks so much for uh, your time today and for those uh, listening or watching make sure and follow hugh he's on instagram uh, at Hugh Newman one uh, follow uh, the megalithomania uh, Facebook group great group to jump in and, and see all of his videos and then uh, what's the megalithomania website Hugh 
just megalithomania.co.uk. .co.uk, that's got links to his books. And I'm really excited about it. Sounds like your upcoming book. So, man, thanks again for your time. Keep up the great work, and we'll do this again, hopefully, in the future. All right, thanks a lot, Dee. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm.